number six. I don't plan on being long tonight. They're just, uh, in fact, I actually did not even plan on preaching this message, but uh, there's just something on my heart, and I'll get to it in a little while, and you'll understand why I just feel it important to talk about this passage tonight. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. If you're a Christian... A conflict has either just concluded, is continuing, commencing, or coming. I don't care who you are, one of those statements fits your situation because as Job 14.1 says, you know, that man that's born of a woman is a few days in full trouble. And we live in a fallen world and... uh, Obviously, from this and from our own experience, we know that we're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a fight for our life, and we have an enemy. I want to talk to you just a few minutes tonight about being being battle-ready. Being battle-ready. And one of the most important things about being battle-ready is understanding your enemy. And if we don't, we're sure to fail. And the Bible doesn't lack when it comes to information about our enemy. We know from what the Bible says that our enemy is a definite fact. In other words, Satan is a real person, not a mere influence. I'm afraid that a lot of times we leave, you know, the impression in the minds of children, you know, that when we talk about the devil, it's ah, kind of like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. It's not anything real. It's just, uh, you know, it's a vague term used to describe uh, uh, something that's bad. And uh, we, we fail to emphasize the fact that Satan is a real person. In fact, Either the noun or the pronoun for Satan is used 175 times in the Bible, and he's mentioned in at least 50 chapters of the Bible. So the Word of God is very clear about the reality of Satan. It describes his creation. It describes his crime, his calamity, his character, his contention, his condemnation. So we get the whole picture from beginning to the end. And we're not going to go through all of that tonight. I just want to nail down the fact that when we talk about being battle ready, that we face a definite fact when it comes to our enemy. Not only is this a definite fact, 
Our enemy is a deadly fiend. I don't know any word that would better describe him than fiend. He, he's, a, uh, he's a deadly fiend. Satan is not playing games. He's out for blood, as the old saying goes. And we know this. We know because the Bible speaks of his depravity by the names that are given to him. We're not going to go through all of those, but he's called Satan. That means our adversary. He's called the devil, uh, Beelzebub, Belial, the dragon, the serpent, the tormentor, the liar, the murderer. And over and over again, the Bible uses uh, terminology describing him as a real person. And in addition... To the names given to him, the Bible also explains the works that are attributed to him. We look back all the way back to the book of Genesis and we see how that it, it was the devil who tempted Eve. We come to the New Testament and we see that it was Satan who tempted Christ himself. We see that it's Satan who opposes God's work, who hinders God's servants, who tries to uh, hinder the gospel message so that people will not believe, and he deceives nations. I'm not going to take the time to elaborate on verse number 12, but I want to read it again so you'll understand what we're up against. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rather against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Of all of the good things that could be said about America, there's a lot of sad things that could be said as well because it's obvious that we're in serious trouble in America. We, we and, and, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to offend anyone needlessly, but I don't think it's needless whenever we're in the situation we're in and we have a president who openly stands for the things that he stands for that are contrary to the Word of God. And I wouldn't care if it's a Democrat or Republican, black, white, or whatever. wouldn't make any difference to me. Wrong is wrong. And whenever we consider, you know, who is in office, and then we consider who is being considered for Office. Think about those that are running. I, uh, who, who would ever thought we would have a socialist uh, running for the president of the United States? Who, who would have thought we? Well, I, I don't need to give you the rundown on all of these others. And even you know, we can talk about Hillary. Or we can talk even about Donald Trump if you want to. And uh, I mean, if, if you think he's got the characteristics for a good president, I, I guess you'll vote that way. But you need to look at the whole picture, the big picture, and the flip flopping. And and it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me that some of these people can even be considered to be the president. Now, whenever you bring this up, and, and I've had preachers uh, in kind of a roundabout way when I would write something and uh, print an article, and so in a roundabout way they, you know, send me a, a signal, let me know, don't worry about it, brother, God's in control. That's exactly why I'm worried about it. Now, you, you stop and think about it. 
that's the frightening thing whenever we consider the condition that we're in as a nation. We have reason for concern because our need as a nation is not for comfort but for correction. And I know God well enough. I know what the Bible says about the fact that we're going to reap what we sow. And, and, and I'm telling you what, it's, uh, we, we cannot imagine how bad it could get. And you look at a society that is so disrespectful of God, so disobedient to God, and it just hit me like a ton of brick whenever I heard the news that, that Supreme Court Justice Scalia had died. I'm not making any accusations when I stand here, but let me tell you, over the years and knowing, knowing on the past record of a lot of people, let me tell you, there's a lot of folks that would be glad to get rid of that man. Maybe Orrin Hatch said this the best, because a lot of people have no idea what a dilemma we're in right now here in America. And he said the most important Supreme Court vacancy in history is this one right here. The most important Supreme Court vacancy in history. I'm telling you, the future of our nation is hinging in one. You're worried about who's going to be the next president. I got to tell you, I'm more worried about who's going to fill that lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. That bothers me more. I think, I think, I want to underline that. I think that bothers me more than who's going to be the president. The only reason I'm bringing this up is to let you know that all of these things are not happening by accident. So many times we wonder, well, how is it that someone that is totally unknown, inexperienced, and so forth, how is it that they, someone, as you try to trace back through history and find people that knew them or anything else, and and you can't find any record or anything, and all of a sudden they're the President of the United States. Uh, uh, How can that happen? Let me tell you, there are powers, there are powers at play in all of this that beyond anything you and I know anything about. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the Illuminati or some secret society that's trying to rule the world and conspiracy theories and all of that. Let, let me tell you, the conspiracies that are going on are not theories, it's reality. And there is a mastermind behind all of this, and that mastermind is Satan. And notice again what he says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Some have tried to explain this and describe it by saying that there there are there are demons that have been assigned the head of all of the different nations. Now, 
you know, I, I don't know that I can say that's exactly the way that it works or anything else. I'm not smart enough to figure all of that out. But I do know that the nations of this world, remember, we're talking about unsaved people who are taken captive by the devil at his will, according to the Bible. So we're talking about unsaved people governing the nations of this earth. And I understand that God is almighty and that He overrules and God is in control. God either causes or He allows everything that happens. And a lot of the things that God allows are bad things, sinful things. You know, we, we can't understand the mind of God in regards to all of that. People, you know, keep... Bringing up, why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin? Well, He didn't make a mistake, let me tell you. Let me just explain it that way. God knows exactly what He is doing. And when we think about America and our needs as a nation, please understand that the problem is a spiritual problem. It's not a matter of who we get in office. It's a matter of the spiritual condition of our nation. And I'm telling you, the fellow that is ramrodding this whole thing is a deadly fiend who is out to destroy us. He is a destructive force. Go back through history and you see that he caused Eve to sin. He caused Cain to kill. He caused Abraham to lie. He caused Lot to lust. He caused Samson to stumble and Achan to steal and Saul to hate and David to fall and on and on and on. And every sin that you see throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible, we see that Satan is behind all of this. And even when it comes to great men like Peter, John Mark, and different men who truly love the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that even they stumble at times. So I mention that to let you know what we're up against as Christians, and that's why we need to be battle-ready, because we've got to be on our guard constantly. We're facing a deadly fiend who is a destructive force, and let me tell you, he's a determined fighter. I believe it was Teddy Roosevelt, you know, that had a little dog, one of the presidents, and, and, and every time they walked down the street, this little dog would get in a fight and he'd always lose. And so somebody said something to him one day. He said, your dog ain't much of a fighter, is he? He said, oh, no, no, he's a good fighter. You know, he just doesn't, he doesn't win very often, you know, but he fights. You know, I've, I've, I've known some people like that. I can remember back as a kid that we had a, we had a boy back in, in grade school that was fighting all the time. I don't remember him ever winning any fights, but he was in a fight all of the time. Well, let me tell you, Satan is determined, and not only is he determined, you know, it's one thing to be determined, it's another thing, it's another thing to have the Wisdom, and you know, you hate to attribute wisdom to somebody as dumb as the devil, but let me tell you, Satan has wisdom in the sense that he knows what works against us, what appeals to our human nature, 
and he is a deceitful fraud. Turn, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11 for just a minute, and I think you know that in any one of these things that we're talking about tonight, we could spend 30 minutes or an hour just discussing each one, but I just wanted you to get a snapshot or a, the big picture of what we're up against. Chapter 11, verse number 13. And it says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, now get this, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So we're not talking about a bunch of kids that are into goth, and all of a sudden, you know, they're out here involved in, in Satanism and going through, you know, some sort of a satanic ritual. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about Anton LaVey and the first church of Satan. We're talking about people that pretend to be ministers of Christ. And the sad thing is they sell that to others. Now notice here, notice that they, they are transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, in other words, don't be shocked, don't be surprised by this, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. He is a deceitful fraud. You're not going to get the truth. From Satan, He is a liar from the beginning, and he plots and he plans, he schemes for our downfall. Now, the good thing about all of this is that Satan is a defeated foe. I've often said and I've heard others say that we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. When Jesus died on the cross and He arose from the grave, our victory over Satan was assured. It is a done deal. Now that doesn't mean that we won't have problems. It doesn't mean that we won't have difficulties. It doesn't mean that there will not be any more temptations. It doesn't mean, you know, that Satan has, you know, all of a sudden vanished and there's no influence from him in the world anymore. It doesn't mean that. It just means that his ultimate end is assured. But one more thing about this enemy, and that is that he is a desperate fool. And I say that because he continues to fight even though he knows he is defeated. He knows his time is short. He knows that he has been defeated, and yet he keeps fighting. Look in Revelation chapter number 20. and Here in this chapter we see the wonderful, beautiful picture of, of the millennial reign of Christ and the Christians reigning with him. Now notice in verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, that is when the thousand-year reign of Christ here on earth has come to an end. Boy, what a time that's going to be. Amen. But notice, when, when that thousand years has expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Because during that time, he's going to be bound. He's going to be chained in prison. 
But at the end of that time, God lets him loose for a while. Notice, and he shall go out to deceive the nations. Isn't that what we've been talking about? The nations that are under the power and the influence of Satan himself. And he's going out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of them is as the sand of the sea. Now notice verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them, and the devil that was de- that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire, and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. He's a defeated foe. His end is coming. But notice, even after that thousand-year reign, when it's so evident that he is that he is defeated, he comes out fighting. And the amazing thing to me is this, that during that thousand-year period, there are going to be people that will be unsaved. We're going to be ruling and reigning during that time. We, you know, be ruling and reigning over those that are, that are unsaved. Now think about it. And, and, and things will be as perfect as your mind can imagine Because most of the curse is going to be removed. And I mean, finally, at long last, we're going to be under the rule of Jesus Christ Himself right here on this earth. And and the Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, you know, eventually. But in that day, He rules with a rod of iron. I mean, He doesn't tolerate any nonsense. Boy, you would think everybody would be clapping their hands and finally say, hey, no more elections, no more worry about all of this political nonsense. We finally have the perfect leader on the throne. And yet at the end of the thousand years, as soon as Satan is loosed, what does he do? There are enough people here that he can muster together an army to fight against the Lord Jesus Christ. That tells us so much about human nature. When a person is unsaved, I tell you, they are absolutely helpless without God. So he keeps fighting even though he knows he's defeated. You know, I think I've met some folks that are no smarter than the devil because they continue to reject and to resist God even though when it's apparent that they are defeated, that they don't stand a chance and they don't give up. Now let me just sum this up and I want to make it as personal as I possibly can. And just as we look on down through the remainder of this chapter here in Ephesians chapter 6, Notice what he says beginning in verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then he describes for us the armor of God. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith 
you may be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In consideration of all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the only way for us to survive, the only way for us to succeed, the only way for you and I to win in this fight that we're involved in. The only way to be victorious is to be adorned in the armor of God. We could spend a week on each one of the different parts of the Christian's armor we don't need to do that, I don't think, right now, unless you've got an hour or two that you want to spend, and we'll just go down through each one. But I want you to leave here today thinking about the seriousness of each and every piece of armor that's mentioned here. And I'm telling you, if we neglect to adorn ourselves in the armor of God, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. There's no question about it. Our only possible hope of succeeding and winning in the battle against the devil is for us to be adorned in the armor of God or we fail. Aren't you glad that God made provision for success? We don't have to fail. If we fail, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. We cannot control what America does in the big picture. We can only control what we do. The decisions that we make. But the decisions that we make and the things that we do affects those that we come in contact with. And little by little, piece by piece, day by day, we can have an influence that would bring America back to God. Let me tell you, America did not change overnight. The enemy has been chipping away year after year after year after year. And those of you that are about my age, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember back to a time whenever a lot of the things that are just common and we take for granted today, those things we didn't even discuss back then. It's little by little. You know, little things like, you know, we need to get sex education in the public schools. We need to teach those little old kids. I can remember being involved in that fight and us preachers protesting against the school board. I I can remember that so very well. Well, boy, we are way past that now, aren't we? And you look around at where we are today. So I'm saying the enemy did not prevail overnight. And we're not going to win back our nation overnight. And we don't have a chance to ever win back our nation to God unless we adorn ourselves in the armor of God and go out here and do battle and on a personal level win that fight against Satan. God's made it possible. But it means absolutely nothing to us if we do not avail ourselves of what He's provided. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any opening for the devil 
whatsoever because he won't listen he wants to tear your family apart he wants to ruin your life he wants to divide this church he wants to destroy our nation he's not playing games he's out for blood and we don't have to let him win let's stand together father tonight as we consider our hearts and consider the needs of our life and the things that that perhaps need to be changed, we just pray tonight that each and every one of us might be honest enough to confess what it is that's holding us back, what it is that's putting limitations on our life, what it is that's hindering us from being useful in your work. And tonight that we might be humble enough that we would confess it. And Lord, that tonight that we might determine when we leave here that day by day that we're going to adorn ourselves in the armor of God, that we might prevail on a personal level and that it'll affect our family and it'll affect this church and it'll affect this community and eventually it'll affect our beloved nation. There's someone here tonight that's never been saved. I pray you'll speak to their heart and draw them to Calvary. For we pray in Jesus' name.